0: Thank you, guys. Um, thank you, Pastor Doug, for reading that passage for us this morning. Um, it kind of fits in with what we're going to talk about. And that what we're going to talk about today is sin is our biggest problem. You know, uh, in the early chapters of the book of Mark, there's a Jesus is in this small house and he's teaching and he's preaching. And there's these four guys that have this cripple guy on a stretcher and they come up to the house and they can't get in because so many people are there. So they get up on the roof of the house and they start ripping the roof off the house. And they let this guy down on a stretcher in front of where Jesus is speaking through the roof of his house. And Jesus says to the guy, he says, your your sins are forgiven you. And everybody starts oohing and mumbling and like just I did for uh, Pastor Doug, the passage he read. And then he said, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? And the point he was making and the point that they missed and the point that we often miss is not that the guy was crippled was his biggest problem. His biggest problem was a sin. And the same thing with the story that Pastor Doug read. It wasn't that the lady was doing the wrong thing or the Pharisee thought it was wrong that he was doing, she was doing it. The problem for both of them was their sin was their biggest problem. And no matter what your circumstance is today, it's your sin is your biggest problem. And we're going to be looking at um, one of the, Thieves that was on the cross with with Jesus when he was, up, he was on the same cross, but he was crucified at the same time. There was two of them. One was on the right hand, the other one was on the left. And one of them didn't know what his problem was. He was ignorant of it. He thought his biggest problem was getting off the cross. But the other one, He solved his biggest problem. And that's what we're gonna see today. We're gonna see that, we're gonna see sin. We're gonna see a work of salvation. We're gonna see repentance and faith. And then then we'll finally see assurance of salvation in this story. all right so if you'll turn over in your bible to luke chapter 23 luke chapter 23 luke 23 and verse 32 says that and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death and then when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now drop down to verse 39. It says, And one of the malefactors, which was hanged, railed on him, that's railing on Christ, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you on this resurrection morning. Father, this week when we thought about all that you went through, the Passion Week leading up to your crucifixion, Father, it pricked our hearts, and it reminded us again of our most important problem, our biggest problem, and that's our sin. And it was our sin that held you there on that cross as you bore the wrath of God for us. And Father, we just thank you, and we praise you, and we honor you for that. We ask that you'd help us now as we look at these few words today, that you would just speak to our hearts, and that it would bear fruit that will remain. And Father, we just thank you again, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we see in this passage? Well, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, We see two sinners, one on the right hand and the other one on the left. Of Jesus hanging on the cross or hanging on their crosses, we will see the work of salvation. We'll see repentance and we will see faith. Then we'll see assurance of salvation in this passage. First, let's take a look at the two malefactors, verses uh, 32 and 33 and 39. Um, as I was studying this out, malefactors are evil people is an evil person and it's a person that's incapable of doing good they have been caught and tried for their crimes and if you know they've just looked at all the evidence and they said these guys are just always going to be criminals so they tried them the evidence was presented and they were sentenced to death on a cross Now, they were receiving the punishment for their crimes, which was crucifixion. And and in the early days in the Greek culture, um, they thought of malefactors as persons that were incapable of doing good. And Greek philosophy of that day suggests that the reason for evil was was ignorance. And if you think about that, you put all that together and we try to understand what all that means, we say, well, they just didn't know any better. They didn't know that they were sinning. They were just ignorant. And that kind of goes along with the first saying of Jesus when he was on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Talking about the people's ignorance. It was evil what they were doing. It was evil that they were crucifying Christ, the perfect one, the Son of God, the one who sealed many of their diseases and sicknesses. That was evil for them to do, but they couldn't see it. Their eyes were blinded by their own sin. Can you see yourself? Can you see the evil in yourself? You know, we we like to think of ourselves better than we actually are. We like to gloss over our sin as if it really doesn't matter. But Paul saw the evil of his sin in Romans chapter seven Verse 19, he says, For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Verse 21, it says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You know, Paul recognized that sin. He said, when I want to do good, that evil comes out. and I don't do it. Or when I do good that evil is always present with me then in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 it says among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind whereby Nature were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, you understand that that's what our sin sin deserves, is God's wrath, his eternal wrath that goes on for eternity. Then in this passage, we see the work of salvation. The one malefactor seemed ignorant of what was happening to him, or at least he was grabbing at the last straws of trying to get off the cross and to escape the punishment of his crimes. You see in verse 39 it said, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. You see, he was grabbing at that last straw of saying, okay, if if Christ is who he is, he has the power to get us off this cross and himself too. You see, that that criminal had not come to grips what was happening to him. He is being punished for his own sin, his habitual sin, his sin against his community. He was incapable of doing anything else. But the other malefactor um, shows that the work of salvation and is evidenced by his rebuke. Verse 40 says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward for our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. You see, that second malefactor realized what was going on. He accepted the fact that it was because his own crimes against his neighbors was the reason he was on that cross. He acknowledged that. And you might say, well, why does a man, why does a sinner seek God? Well, a sinner doesn't seek God. We learned that one was in Romans chapter 3. Uh, Romans 3, 11 and 12 says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They all are gone out of the way. And they are... To gather become unprofitable and there is none that doeth good no not one and that whole section in Romans chapter 3 just drives home the fact that we don't seek God on our own so we ask ourselves the question if you're a Christian you say well I did but you didn't because the Bible God's word clearly says you don't. A sinner does not seek God. And you say, well, how did I come then if I didn't seek him? You come because God is giving you, giving you to Christ. John chapter 6 verse 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You see, that's the work of salvation. A sinner that comes to God is because God has done that, started that work of salvation in his heart. So he comes. Can you imagine a God who created our universe who wills to do something and it not happen? I mean, if God wanted this tree over here to move over there, do you you think it would just not happen, if he wanted it to happen? Well, that's the same thing with a sinner. When God chooses a sinner, that sinner begins to think about God, he comes. He comes. And you might say, what about that person in the Amazon jungle that's never even heard of Jesus? What about that person? Well, if that person sits out in his yard, in his easy chair and he starts looking around and sees the order of the universe he said you know what the Sun comes up every morning he might say someone must love me a lot for the Sun to come up every morning like it does or he's sitting in the shade of a tree and he says man Sitting in this shade of this tree, where did this tree come from? Or the fresh water? And he might trip on something. He falls on the ground and it knocks the breath out of him. And I don't know if you've ever had the breath knocked out of you, but you're wondering if you're going to get the next one. And he might say. Man, I'm thankful for that next breath. Where did it come from? So those are all things in nature that can draw a person to start thinking about God. And if God is calling that person, he will send somebody to that person with the gospel. There's no person hidden in the jungle that's so deep or dark that God doesn't know about them and that God can't do a work in their life. And we have some teenagers that are going off this summer, some to Malawi and others up to North Carolina to take the gospel to those who may have never heard. Or they may have heard a thousand times, but they haven't heard it for the first time. Then in verse 41, we see repentance. It is a repentant heart that understands its condemnation. It is an omission of guilt and turning away from sin. And turning to Jesus for salvation. Verse 41, just to remind you, it says, and we indeed justly. You see, he saw. The condemnation of his own sin. For we. Re- for we receive the due reward of our deeds. You know, that's understanding the weight of your sin. And that your sin deserves punishment and eternal wrath from God. Then in verse 42, we see your work of faith. The malefactor turns to Jesus and asks to be remembered in his kingdom. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. You see, that's a work of faith. That, that malefactor, that ignorant person came to the knowledge of faith in Christ. And he pleads for mercy. Remember me when you come into thy kingdom. Then we see Jesus gives him assurance of salvation in verse 43. He says, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Even as the last hours of that malefactor was on the cross, the last hours of his life, he had assurance of salvation. Do you have assurance of salvation today? You can. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, and hearing this message, hearing the word of God today, turn to him. Cry out for mercy. And he'll save you. He will. He says, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. You see, the malefactor came to Jesus on the cross. But you can come to Jesus from your chair. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for that powerful miracle that you showed us on the cross where you saved a criminal, a lifelong criminal. It seemed that he was incapable of doing anything good, but you did a work in his life, in his heart, and you called him. And the gospel was effectual in his life. And he came. Father, we ask that you just help us today as we think about our biggest problem, our sin. Father, help us to come. Help us to remember what you did on the cross for us and that you freely offer salvation to all who will come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's uh, stand and we'll sing our last song.